what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hey, welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast. We all know that health is complex and multifaceted. Amy Chang and Fran Paradine are here to break it down, talk it up, and learn from a whole slew of really amazing guests. Fran and Amy are both health coaches, and just like health, their practices and viewpoints are individualized. You'll hear different takes on the same information as they discuss all things health, and you'll learn with them as they talk with guests who explore all different areas of health. Every episode will be fun, informative, and entertaining. If you like what you hear, please follow us and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hi, Amy. Hey, Miss Fran. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am pretty good this morning. It's uh, raining, but I got my bike ride in, so I'm available for human consumption now. (laughs) I don't feel like I'm awake until I get that done. Well, that's a great way to start the day all the time. I'm actually up in New York, um, so we're a little farther away this week. Um, Yeah, taking my son to college. So it's a little bit of a bittersweet week for me, but get to catch up with some good friends along the way. So yeah. Is there anything you need to do before we start the podcast? (laughs) Nope. I'm ready to roll. So you've had your cry, you've had your coffee, you've had your, you know, morning yoga or whatever you're going to have and you're good to go. I'm good to go. Good. Because I'm stoked to have this conversation with you. I know, I know this is a a topic that is um, not talked about enough, I don't think. So let's tell everyone um, what we, what we're going to focus on today. Um, I think you, this was kind of your baby a little bit. So why don't you do a little bit of the intro? Yeah, it, it really was my baby. So, you know, moving down here to Wilmington, of course, I got to meet tons of new people because that's what you do when you move, right? And one of the first people I met will be a guest on our show in a later podcast. And um, he's an amazing, amazing guy. Got his hands in lots of nonprofit service work. But the thing that really sort of interested me right off the bat because I haven't thought about it that much was he opened up a grocery in a food desert. So food desert, like what the hey, hey, does that mean? Where are they? What are the impacts? Um, What are the impacts on individuals? What are the impacts on our, our community health, our global health? Um, and then in researching some of the impacts for that, like the financial impacts and the growth and development of that community that has the food desert. So it was huge. And once I like pulled the string, you know, the hanging thread, like the whole dress unraveled and, um, and I, I can't wait to sort of bring something that I think is in the blind spot of a lot of my peers, certainly in my blind spot, yes. and I think the blind spot, a lot of the people that I live and commune with on the daily about food deserts. Yeah. And I um, am fascinated to hear what you have learned um, and to have our guest on in the future, because um, I think he 
has filled a huge need. Um, and we need more people like him around. Um, so what did you learn about food deserts? Give us like the big overview. Um, the big overview is, um, that the people who probably need optimal nutrition the most get it the least Hmm. and it cycles downward from there is the overall overarching, um, And it's, it's just a blind spot. It's just a lack of awareness. It's not a problem that, um, is unsolvable. So here's the definition that I I really will, we'll post these, um, links in the show notes because at first I thought, well, I want to know about North Carolina and food deserts in North Carolina. And then I looked a little bit broader, but I think all three of these, um, references really are from studies that looked at North Carolina communities. Uh-huh. So um, here's one that was uh, in the North Carolina Medical Journal. What year was this? I want to say it was pretty recent, um, maybe 2020. And the, it lists the definition of a food desert. It says a USDA food desert is defined as a low income census tract that is not in close proximity to a grocery store with close proximity defined as 10 miles or less for a rural area and less than one mile for an urban area. Okay. So let me make sure I have that correct. I have it straight in my head. Um, Someone who lives in an urban area, if they are more than a mile from a grocery store, that's considered food desert? Yes. And then if they are in rural area, it's 10 miles. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, um, and this was census tracks. Okay. So that's the way, um, you know, I got my nursing brain on when I started reading these, you know, all those graduate level research courses came back to me and I'm like, uh, picking apart and digging and getting all specific. And I, I feel like that's what is needed when you look at research so that you'll know how to utilize it is yes. really to get your devil's advocate, um, fine tooth comb eyes and ears on when you're reading your research, um, studies and reports. So, um, it used census tracts. That's how they define that. So you've got to think about, and I'm not sure or certain how they do the tracks, but I do know that there are more in urban areas than there are in rural areas. So, more food yeah. Okay. So, um, no, there are more census tracts. Oh. Census tracts. So when you look at, um, when you look at, well, where are most food deserts? Actually, this says that the, um, highest population of food deserts, there were differences in regional areas and really it was Charlotte Mecklenburg and the counties they put in Charlotte Mecklenburg, Alexander, uh, Cabarrus, I can't remember how you say that one. Um, Catawba, Cleveland, Gaston, Iredale, Lincoln, Mecklenburg, Rowan, Stanley and Union County had the highest total of predicted number of food deserts with 80, but they have more census tracts 
because of the population. Right. So that's the, right. that's the kicker right there. But so anyway, we're, we're looking at um, food deserts. Can you imagine living in Nebo, North Carolina, which is right on the cusp there at Lake James and having to go 10 miles to get food? And what they're talking about there is fresh food. They even right. say that they're probably underreported because some convenience stores do get listed as having fresh foods. Because they have those random apples and bananas. Yes. The front counter. Those, yes. those, yeah. And so you're looking at um, if you had your house and you drew a circle around, you know, your um, radius, 10 mile radius. If you had a speedway that had an apple on the counter, then that might count as a grocery right. store. Right. Yeah. With Which, all the prepared foods. Oh yeah. All those processed foods. Okay. So, so this, we can start to kind of extrapolate and think about the impact this has on people. If they, they are unable to access, or if it, it just takes kind of her Herculean effort to access fresh foods. And then on every corner you have the dollar general, or you have a place that sells cheap processed food. Like a drop in a honey bun. Absolutely. <laughs> right? So what's the choice going to be, you know, yeah. I mean, that's so, and, and so then the larger impact this has on, on health and community and um, gosh, on all, all sorts of aspects. Yeah, for sure. And and this one, same study listed um, health outcomes associated with food hardship is what they call food hardship. And they say at the county level, higher food hardship index county means are moderately positively correlated. So as, as your um, likelihood of having a food hardship goes up, also, the likelihood of you developing diabetes, stroke, hypertension, and kidney disease goes up. And then uh, also, they have higher percentages of poor mental health. This is patient-reported. Um, patient the other statistic I quoted was like uh, epidemiological. You know, when, when you get diagnosed... You know, we run all those numbers, right, through our health department so we can see what's the community health. Right. And then sometimes we do research based on how people feel or how people report, you know, how they feel or what uh, challenges they're having. Like when you do like a happiness study, it's how people report. It's a self-reporting. So uh, self-reported higher percentages of poor mental health, poor physical health, and lower life expectancy. So we're talking about people, you know, and this is good because it's, it's documentation of people with higher prevalence of diabetes, kidney disease, stroke, uh, hypertension, and lower life expectancy. Right. So th this is correlation. This is not cause, right? So it, it, is, just, cor it is correlation. It is not cause. So they're not saying that because they live this far away from- no. And actually, there's a study out of um, the Duke Global Ecological Humanities, which is looking at like global um, 
health and you think about health disparities, where you can get a vaccine, where you can't get a vaccine, where you can get an antibiotic, where you can't get an antibiotic, things like that across the globe. And actually, they cited a program that was a pilot program out of Pittsburgh, I believe it was, that said even when you correct the problem of the food desert, it doesn't change the choice that people make. So when you have a row of organic vegetables and a row of sun drops and honey buns, that it doesn't mean that the people are, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Look, we've got organic vegetables that I now have to take home and cook. Right. I have to know how to cook. I have to be willing to not ruin it because I have ruined some, you know, organic foods in my days of cooking that I'm like, well, there's $50 down my drain. Um, and so they have a little, now when you say pilot study, of course, it just means a teeny tiny study. So it's hard to extrapolate that to your practice or what you choose to do or how you make policies because it's just a tiny study. But right. there is that tiny study. And I think that's a place that, we can chat about too, um, is that just because you make a supply of healthy, nutritious foods, doesn't mean people know what to do with them. Right. No, it doesn't mean they know what to do with them or that they, they want them, that they enjoy the taste of them. Yeah. You know, I think that that's one thing that I've certainly learned in my health journey is that when you crave what you know, Right. And so if, if you're used to, to having sweet all the time, you're going to choose the chocolate bar over the apple. And it's yeah. not until you make the concerted effort to kind of repeatedly choose the apple that you then then your taste buds actually change, like your your cravings actually change. And you yeah. so so it's a it's a process. And if, so it makes sense that um, even though it's a pilot study, it does make sense that people's choices don't all of a sudden change to a healthier choice because they're offered it. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, like in, in my case, I was exposed to fruits, uh, fruits and vegetables in my household growing up, you know, in the summer we had a garden for a purpose and it was to ease the financial burden on the Thompson family. Um, and I didn't like vegetables. And so as a grown up mom trying to cook vegetables for my family, I was like, I don't know what texture they're supposed to be to be cooked well. I don't know what seasonings go with them or even like sauces or what you can do with them. And I don't know how they're supposed to taste. Right. And I don't right. like them. So I'm not going to taste them. <laughs> you still don't like them as an adult so this is not just a childhood thing but this right so this kind of translated into adulthood because it's what you know it's what you you know it's what you the choices you made earlier on that are still impacting you today yeah. so um so i think that's actually a, a place to think about like so if it's not just offering healthy foods to people like if that's not the answer what else needs to happen in these food deserts? Because clearly, I mean, I, I know it's not causation, it's correlation, but I think we, the more we know about how important um, fresh fruits and vegetables are to health in general, um, 
it's it and if it's not just offering it to them what 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 other pieces need to be put in place do you think okay so so here's another little impact uh that i wanted to bring up because one thing i think you and i are both dedicated to on especially in this podcast but for our practice and our clients um is that health is holistic health is like you know, everything, if you think that your money does not contribute to your health, you are smoking a crack pipe. You know, if you're worried about your money, if you can't afford to get services, you know, that does, and how you relate to money. Like, is it stressful for you? You know, that all that really relates to your health. And so this um, little study out of the Duke Global Health, this was a great little paper to find. Um, has this, it's a rather long quote, but I'm going to read it because I think it's significant. It says, along with experiencing shorter than average life expectancy, families living within the bounds of food deserts are also subjected to decreasing wealth as time passes. So that mm-hmm. we're talking about generation. By their very nature, food deserts are located in areas of low population and low income. You think about those rurals and those urbans, right? Um, But as time progresses, these two characteristics are exacerbated. As wealth abandons a neighborhood, businesses follow. This means that all too often, when new stores do open, they choose areas of relative wealth and prosperity without new businesses to bring economic attention to a neighborhood. That neighborhood will get less wealthy over time. This trend of decreasing wealth represents a positive feedback loop in which a low initial wealth causes even lower wealth to develop within a population. Additionally, food deserts have, a, have long-term impacts on the economic success of the children raised within them. Children facing poor nutrition or chronic illness are statistically more susceptible to encountering social and behavioral problems in school. Such problems can hinder educational advancements, causing children to incur administrative discipline or academic probation. Living in a food desert can stand between educational and therefore economic success or failure. Wow. Yeah. And so that brings that to a fuller, more holistic viewpoint for me. And I should throw in that we haven't even started talking about um, uh, pregnancy nutritional deficiencies and mortality, morbidity. Right. And so then that again, just reinforcing the idea that this is generational, this impacts. And I'm not going to speak to the whole pregnancy thing. I did research that just a little bit, but I think that that's like a whole other Pandora's box. And if somebody wants to look that up, I would encourage them to just put in, you know, uh, maternal complications with food deserts and they'll find a whole plethora of stuff um, that they can do their own fine tooth combing through. But yeah, so we're talking about um, community health in a very holistic kind of like, it's everything. It's 
you don't have cash, so you eat like poop. Um, so you have chronic diseases, so you don't work as much. You spend more money on your chronic diseases and you birth your children and raise them in the same environment. Right. And, and at the same time, the thing, the quote you read also says that, well, while your personal health is declining, the community is also decaying. And there's, there's no resources being put into the community. And so then what does that, I mean, people move out. So they become more isolated and the sicker you get the, the, you know, then there are no kind of gather healthy gatherings of people. Um, that makes so sense. There- I mean, you can't, you can't blame a business, right? When they're oh. like, there's no money there. Why am I going to go put a whole foods in the middle right. of, you know, uh, what's that County up there? I was thinking about something for me. I guess more of my life experience has been spent in a rural area. Mm -hmm. So I'm always thinking about down east in North Carolina and up west in North Carolina. Mm Because those are the two areas that I think of that um, don't have a lot of population and frankly have some socioeconomic decrease, I guess would be the best word. Yeah, but to, to get back to your like your point about um, it not being, you know, it's a business decision for these grocery stores, particularly these big chain grocery stores. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about Hickory, where I live and you used to live, which is, you know, I mean, it's not the most affluent, but there's plenty of money there. We can't get a Trader Joe's. Like we can't. So, so some of these bigger, we have no big food, healthy food chain options. We have like two grocery stores. Um, yeah. So if we can't get that there, um, there's no way these places are coming to. Did I say that we were getting a Piggly Wiggly? <laughs> Did you, yeah, I think I saw that too. What? I don't know, but I'm loving it. I say bring it. <laughs> I mean, the more we, the more diversity we have, the better. Because yeah. right now we do. We've got Food Line, Lowe's, and a Publix. Yep. The Galaxy okay. left. Oh, conf- yes. <laughs> we are getting a Piggly Wiggly. All right. Note. Yeah. Now all we need is an IGA. You're right. The IGA. IGA. Yeah. So side note, but um, yeah. And so when you look at, you know, where those businesses choose to go and you can't really blame them. Nope. No. So, so what's the answer to food deserts now that we see some of the impact and the, you know, uh, I don't mean to be all gloom and doom. I just think when you look at your health, you really um, are doing yourself a favor to look downstream, right? I mean, that's that's what my health is is about. This morning, I meditated on being on my deathbed. You know, mm-hmm. I know what I want that to look like, which means I know what choices I need to to make now to get there. Right. Right. And so when, when you look downstream of an area that has no access to good food, then you are looking at people who are going to, A, start out with no cash and then run into all these challenges because there's no access to food. And then, then once we take away the problem of access, which... Atiba successfully did with his Front Street uh, Market open in Wilmington in a food desert. Then you got to look at 
what do we do with fresh fruits and vegetables? How do we cook them? How do we deal with the fact that we don't like them? Uh, our kids don't like them. It's not what we're used to. Right. And changing those uh, choices. Right. So, so it's not just bringing the food there. It is then creating the, the community around it which um, I'm thrilled to have Ativa on because I think he's done an amazing job doing that and can really set a precedent for people. Um, And, and looking at, you know, it's not just about, yeah, I mean, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. It's not just about bringing them the food. It is recognizing um, one, their history, right. And, and where they're coming from and and meeting them where they are, which is what we always have to do as coaches. Um, and two, creating, well, giving them information, which is what, you know, about what, but also creating the environment where they get excited about that information, that they kind of recognize that um, they're doing something not only proactive for them and their health, but for the community and for the generations to come. And, and creating that energy around, um, around, around food and around, um, you know, around cooking and around creating recipes and sharing recipes. And um, that's, I think that's the beauty of what Ativa has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. Um, And, and I'm glad you brought up that word energy because it requires energy to create the, all of it. I should probably just put a period at the end of that. It requires energy period to bring good uh foods to food deserts and to have people begin to choose them yes to make those lifestyle changes any lifestyle change requires energy and excitement the excitement helps sort of uh stoke that fire that energetic fire you don't have Mm -hmm. to be excited about a behavioral change but it it does help yes yeah and then you know and then it it grows on itself right you you get a couple people to buy in um, and then they impact their neighbors. Um, and then it kind of hopefully feeds on itself and grows from there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I hope that this little tiny podcast segment has generated some curiosity and some awareness of like really how lucky we are that we can just drive right down to the lows because I have the money to have the car to pay for the gas to go to the grocery store and afford the groceries that I choose to have instead of being 85 years old and in the Wilmington heat, walking over a mile to pick up some groceries from the dollar store that has an apple sitting on the counter so that then I can haul those groceries back to my apartment. Right. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. So, yeah, so this hope, yes, yeah, so hopefully that um, people will just kind of be more aware, open their eyes. There's so much information out there. Um, and, I, you know, I think when if they tune in to, for the next one with Ativa, they will really learn the amazing impact making these changes can have on a community. So stay tuned for that one. All right. Hey, as always, it's such a privilege to be with you, Fran. Absolutely. 
And it's such a privilege to be with all of you listening. I appreciate, uh, we appreciate, I'm speak for Fran in this instance. We appreciate you being with us, giving us your time. It's really the most valuable resource you have and you have shared it with us. So I hope this gives you something to chew on today. Have a great day. It's a good day to have a good day. There we go. Bye everyone. See you next time. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.